0: Well, good morning, Raymond Terrace Community Church. It is a real privilege to be here with you this morning. Uh, I was so looking forward to meeting you face to face. I get to do a little bit of traveling with Aaron and every opportunity he gets, he always tells me about the family that he has, his church family that he has back at home. And and of course, the, the work that you've done in partnership with AFCI, it just, would be so wonderful to meet you face to face. And I'm sorry that it has to be through um, a recording like this, uh, but I hope that we have a wonderful time this morning studying the Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work in our life. But thank you, Aaron, for the introduction. It's It really is a privilege for me to be here with you this morning. Um, We're finally here in Australia and serving the Lord with AFCI to see the spread of the gospel accelerated through the local church here here in this beautiful country that you have. Um, Continuing on this morning through the study of Romans chapter 12, focusing this morning on verse 13, which says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I think Brother Chris has done an excellent service over the past couple weeks to outline the scriptural background for the text. So I won't review that again, but um, I wanted to mention the use of the word contribute in this verse. It's this very familiar Greek verb koinoneo and carries the notion that because we are fellowship of believers, we share material goods. Within the koinonia, we are the koinonia, there is this fellowship, a communion, a cooperation. And in Acts chapter 2, we see actually, we actually see this. Um, Where there was no unmet need, it gives us a beautiful picture of participation in the life of the believing community. I wish you could see my living room right now. I, I have this... Like, I'm on the kitchen table, I'm, I've never recorded like this before, and so if you see me laughing at my own jokes, just, just amuse me and play along, okay? <laughs> um, I, hope we, I hope it goes alright, but um, since our theme this morning is a generous community, I'd like to broaden the scope beyond the word contribute, this meal and its contextual meaning in this passage to also include a scriptural basis for the discipline of generosity and hospitality within various cultures and church denominations there's a wide spectrum of christian generosity of course from on this side of the pendulum not giving materially at all to the needs of others apart from the message of the gospel to over on this side, giving in material abundance with the exception of the gospel message. And I think the question, do I care about the needs of others, is certainly an ethical question. But let us, as disciples of Jesus, remember that what motivates our generosity? 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For Christ's love compels us. And we consistently see this in the life of Christ, right? That he was moved with compassion, not just for people's physical condition, but their spiritual condition that was the real root of the problem. This theme of generosity at a surface level is simply an issue of ethics. For example, if I encounter a stranger, Christian or non-Christian, who is dying of hunger, am I ethically or even morally obligated to feed them? Well, I mean, I think the simple answer is yes, right? But if we dig a bit deeper, we find at its core that becoming a more generous person, myself, or a generous community is much more than an issue of ethics for a disciple of Jesus. It's about reflecting the identity of Christ. And this addresses our personal and corporate spiritual formation. Now, why do I say that? Being generous is one of the most visible expressions of God. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. That's pretty generous, right? But for me, being generous is it's actually really hard. Especially hard when I don't have anything to gain from giving my time or giving my money. And, and I'm ashamed to say that that's really quite selfish of me. So I depend completely on the power of the Holy Spirit working through me to help me behave in a way that I don't otherwise naturally. And that's a spiritual discipline. Being dependent on the Holy Spirit. And so I pray, Lord, would you please help me by the power of your Holy Spirit to live the giving lifestyle so that others might experience your your unconditional love through me. That's another spiritual discipline, the priority of prayer, right? Even though I'm not naturally a very giving or hospitable person, I have determined in my heart to cultivate this character of God in my life with diligence and discipline because I have a relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives within me so I have a steadfast resolute to obey him even when it's inconvenient or maybe even painful for me that's another spiritual discipline being obedient to the kingdom agenda because this is a new behavior for me and I'm just being completely honest that I need guidance, right? And so I look to the scriptures to understand why is generosity so important? Practically, what does it look like? Look like beyonds and besides just handing out money. Who should I be hospitable with and to what extent? These are all great questions. And it's another spiritual discipline. Trusting the Word of God to direct my life. By the way, why do we do any of this? What's the point? For me, and for you, like Jesus, my will is to do the will of the Father and to glorify Him who sent me. So we make it our goal to please Him, 2 Corinthians 5.9. And again, this is another spiritual discipline exalting the Father in everything that I do. And for a disciple, this is actually our primary motivation. Another spiritual discipline we see Jesus modeling and cultivating into his disciples is the discipline of nurturing relationships that are intentional. It was the fabric of relationship that undergirt Jesus' entire ministry, And so here's where we're going to land today. Point number one, the spiritual formation of my mind. In other words, what is my mental posture towards being generous with others? Point number two, the spiritual formation of my heart. Am I moved with compassion for the needy? And lastly, point number three, the spiritual formation of my hands. Practically speaking, what is the significance to our interdependence for generosity as the body of Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just depend on you completely. The word of truth that guides our life, the power of your Holy Spirit that capacitates us for the ministry. And so, Lord, this morning, we just lay our lives down on the altar, and we pray, oh God, that you would do your work in us as we read your word together. Lord, would you just cultivate in us this discipline of just generosity for your honor and for your glory. Amen. So I want to tell you a story. I want to challenge you for a moment about how easy it is to actually influence someone through your behavior. Practically when it comes to um, the matters of habitual behaviors, such as the way you speak or, or the way you drink, how often you drink, what you're drinking, with whom you're drinking, how you spend your money, where you invest your time, and with whom you invest your time. Think about who has had an influence on your life individually. Have they influenced you to be outward-focused or or maybe more self-preserving, self-satisfying, and giving only out of the excess or the leftover time or funds that you have? Last year, I met a man in Atlanta, Georgia. His name was Larry Reagan whose behavior had a tremendous influence on shaping this discipline of generosity in my personal life. He's the founding director of an international ministry, and at the time he had significant financial needs as an organization. one day he came to me with a bank envelope at the back of a conference room in a huge US megachurch during the seminar that he was teaching, and he said, Josh, when you, sow the si- when you sow, the size of your harvest will reflect the quality and the quantity of your seed. Let me say that again. When you sow, the size of your harvest will reflect the quality and quantity of your seed. See, so he was helping me understand the discipline of generosity by giving out of his own need and not out of his excess. In other words, if you need more, give more. Well, as you know, a couple months later, we all fell into the, thru- the, the clutches of COVID-19. And during this time, Larry and his organization were not receiving income from hosting any seminars. They were incredibly generous during this time, committing bucket loads of funds, supplying meals for the underground church in the Middle East. I often questioned, where did all this fund, where did the funds come from? It wasn't like he had a big coffer that was full of all this extra. Larry's model of generous behavior it had such an influence on me that now it frames my level of generosity and the way I tithe on my first fruits as a family to our local church. And also, 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 my diligence and zeal with which I offer everything I am and have as a living sacrifice. Just like we read in Romans 12 verse 1. And I'm not there yet. Oh, mate, I wish I was. But for me as a young guy, looking up to someone who is older, more mature, do you influence someone the way that Larry has influenced me? Because I always think to myself, man, I want to try to give like Larry gave to me. And this leads us to point number one. To be generous like Jesus I need the spirit's formation of my mind. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I'm still quite new to Australia, so maybe the culture here is a bit different. But generally speaking, it's pretty uncustomary to maintain this posture of servitude servitude to others. Now of course we serve those who are nice to us, right? And maybe out of social obligation, most times we're helpful to our family, (laughs) but how generous, how genuinely hospitable are we to those that we feel have wronged us? Self-preservation is such a natural behavior and those Self-seeking, self-care tendencies are their priorities, humanly speaking. But this is not the mind of Christ. It's certainly not the mind of Christ that we see effectuated in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Nor is it his character. And so as we read the scriptures together, let's allow the word of God to restructure, if it were, the the reformation of our thinking when it comes to the natural limitations of generosity matthew 20 verse 28 even as the son of man came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many Second corinthians 5 17 says therefore If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Praise the Lord. The old me has passed away. Behold, the new has come. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through he, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, O oh God, we confess to you as a body of believers We confess that we have been self interested, self seeking. Lord, esteeming ourselves as more important than others. Lord, this is not the image, the character of you that we see presented in your word. And in your presence, dear Lord, we humbly confess this failure. Holy Spirit, we call upon you. By the name of Jesus, we intercede to the Father, and we ask, O God, that you would give us the ability to put others before ourselves. Lord, transform into us your likeness by the renewing of our mind. Cultivate this DNA in our life. Oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This leads us to our second point. To be generous like Jesus, I need the Spirit's formation of my heart. And your family, let me ask you, who is the natural compassionate one. <laughs> I, I have a wife and I have two daughters, six years old and eight years old. And this presents a bit of a problem for me because they are all very compassionate. <laughs> a couple years ago, while we were doing mission work in Fiji, my wife, she was so sick. She couldn't get off the mat that we had on our living room floor for 10 days. At least she couldn't get off the floor until one morning she heard newborn puppies crying in the drainage ditch outside of our house. Yeah, I know. You know where I'm going with this, right? No word of a lie. It was 5 a.m. in the morning. Gina drags herself out. Just as the sun was beginning to rise, she drags herself out of bed and, and she starts looking through the tall, wet grass for these pups. Oh yeah, it wasn't just one or two pups. When I woke up, there was six puppies with no mama crying in my girl's arms. Daddy, can we please keep them? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure I can hear you laughing now. We kept all of them. But look at how Gina's heart, her heart was moved with compassion And her love for animals compelled her to action in spite of her illness that day. Romans 12, verse 6 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is leading, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then show mercy cheerfully. But let me ask, if my gift is not giving, should that mean I am released from participating in the life of believing community? In our believing community? I need to participate, right? Where we are identified by our unity and love for one another? Certainly. This whole chapter of Romans 12 is about sacrificially and humbly demonstrating our worship for God by lovingly serving one another. Second Corinthians 5:14 says, "For the love of Christ controls us." The love of Christ controls me now because we have concluded this that one has died for all, therefore all have died. That's us. We've died to our own ambitions. And he died for all, he died for us. That those who live, we now live in Christ, might no longer live for themselves. We live for Christ, not for ourselves, but for him. Him who for our sake died and was raised. Isn't that a beautiful passage of scripture? The hearts of the early church disciples, were tro- they were so transformed by the truth of the gospel that they no longer lived for themselves, but for the sake of Christ. See, a believer's compassionate response towards someone's spiritual need and the physical need that reflects it is motivated by the fact that we, as the Bride of Christ, bear the image and the message of Christ, which is reconciliation. And so again as we read this scripture together let's again allow the word of God to restructure the reformation of our heart when it comes to the natural limitations of our own generosity 2 Corinthians 5:17 and 18 Therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation When he, speaking of Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If your enemy is hungry, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in your heart, be generously compassionate towards those both inside and outside the body of Christ. Let brotherly affection and unity fuel your compassionate generosity towards the physical needs of those members of the family of God, just like the passage that we read in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, that's quite familiar to all of us. And let the love of God move your heart with compassionate generosity towards pursuing those with a spiritual need outside the body of Christ, who maybe have never experienced the love or forgiveness, the hope and healing that we enjoy having surrendered our lives to Jesus, who saves us from our sin. If you, if you, well, let me ask, if you have not, if you're not part of the family of God today, and you've never experienced this love before, I want to I want to extend a special invitation to you to become part of the family of God today. You can do that by praying a prayer just like this. You can even pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for my sin and raising back to life. I pray, Jesus, that you would forgive me of my sin. I have faith that only you, Jesus, can give me true life eternally. I surrender my life to you today. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, please reach out to a leader from this church or a Christian friend. I know that they would be so excited to hear that you are now part of the family of God. And they would love to journey with you in what living as a follower of Jesus looks like practically. I want to tell you another story. A story about Sharif, but his friends call him Bobby. We were attending a church in Fiji, a Brethren Church actually, an Open Brethren Church. And I was chatting with the lead elder's wife. And she says to me, Josh... A couple years ago, I was in the hospital because my child had a fever and I heard the most terrible sound of a man moaning in pain. And after some time, I finally had to ask the doctor, can't you please do something for that man? Look how much, Look how much pain he's in. And the doctor said, look, tonight he tried to commit suicide by drinking some poison. And it damaged the lining of his esophagus so bad that there's, there's really nothing more that we can do. And we're waiting for him to die. So she went over to the bedside of this Muslim man named Bobby and whispered in his ear, Do you want to live? And Bobby fights for breath and he says, Yes! then you need to call out to Jesus to save you. And so Bobby takes a breath. Jesus, no, you need to call out to him. A little louder, Jesus, no. With your heart, with your heart, you need to really cry out to Jesus to save you. And Bobby just yells, Jesus, save me! Just then he started vomiting, and he vomits all over. And when he finished vomiting, he he could breathe, and he could talk. And you know what happened? He got off his bed, and he actually walked out of the hospital. And today he leads a little house church in his home, And you know what, Raymond Terrace? Someone gifted him a laptop computer from this church so that Bobby could lead evangelistic Bible studies to all the other Muslims in his neighborhood. Friends, that's what compassionate generosity looks like. And the beauty, the beauty, the beautiful union of caring for someone spiritually. And physically, caring for someone's spiritual need and their physical need as the body of Christ. And finally, to be generous like Jesus, I need the Spirit's formation of my hands. Let's look again to the scripture and let's allow the Word of God to reform to realign the practices, the activities of our hands when it comes to the natural limitations of our generosity. In Philippians 2, verse 12, it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do nothing Sorry, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Isn't that a beautiful picture of our purpose and the reason why we live this way? Romans 12, verse 3 says, Because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest with your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has its special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Acts 2, beginning at verse 44, it says, And all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all and as many as many had need let me read that again i think this is this is really important and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as many had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. (laughs) Wasn't that awesome? What a beautiful model of a generous community. A beautiful model that we have in the early church. And Jesus prayed in the garden before his arrest. In John chapter 17, verse 23, we read, I in them and you in me. He's praying to the Father that they, speaking of us, they may be perfectly one in unity so that the world may know that you sent me, and loved them even as you loved me. Meditate on that, so that the world may know that you sent me, and loved them as you loved me. Acts 4.34 says, There was not a needy person among them, for as many were owners of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. A couple verses later, we see Barnabas. Barnabas was, he was so compelled by the love of Christ that he sold his field and he, he gave the money to the apostles. Acts 5 verse 14, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of them, both men and women. This passage, Brothers and sisters, this passage gives us the sense that it was the way in which the body ministered to each other's material needs that identified them as followers of Jesus, it glorified the Father in heaven, and it facilitated the acceleration of the spread of the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, We thank you for your word that transforms our mind. It renews our heart. And it moves our hands to action. Lord, we pray that you would cultivate in us this discipline of being a generous person. Cultivate us as a body of believers to be a generous community. That through this, Lord, as we minister to one another's needs, both spiritual needs and and physical needs, Lord, we pray that that you would build your kingdom, oh God. That what we see in Acts chapter 5, verse 14, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Lord, would you build your kingdom among us through us in an accelerated way? Lord, through us, would you be glorified as you work through in us? We pray this by your mighty power. Amen. Thank you.